0: Juliet, Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello, and welcome to episode 134 of Dogcast Radio. In this show, we celebrate crossbreeds as we attend a heat of scruffs.
1: It's important to support the, the rest of the dog community. We can't just isolate ourselves around pedigrees yeah. because there's some fabulous crossbreeds out there. Yeah.
0: We have the Dogcast Radio News, and we remember two well-known dogs who have been loved and lost recently. But before all that, we have a very different interview with Roger Alan Bernard, who is a dog trainer who works almost exclusively with women dog owners. He's the author of The Savvy Dog Owner, Thought-Provoking and Practical Dog Ownership. The first thing we discussed was why he works mainly with women.
2: Well, actually, it wasn't my intention. Um I began, began my career in 1995, and I trained under Peg Benson. She was a master uh, sit trainer. <clears throat> and after apprenticing with her for over a year, um, I decided I would start my own company. I would start training people. And what happened was, because I'm sort of a Leo egotist, you know, I know everything about everything, I decided also to also do television and radio. But also, well, what happened was, within a year, I'm looking, I'm going, All of my clients are women. 95% of my client base is women. And when I'm on radio or television, even today in 2012, Ninety-five percent of all the call-ins are from women. So it wasn't my intention to work with women, but what I did is after I recognized that this was going on, it took me a little while to catch on to this, um, then I started doing some research. And from the research, working with psychologists and psychiatrists, other dog trainers, clients, uh, women who do a lot of things with um, women's liberation and women's awareness uh, topics, I really got into something, and I said, my goodness, there is a whole world here that's not being looked at. And my mentor, Peg Benson, just smiled because she said, I knew you would discover this. She said, but it's going to be a very long road for you and not one that's pleasant because you're going to be bringing up issues that men and women don't want to know about. Mm -hmm. And it rushed under the carpet. And so what's happening today, uh, (laughs) you do get a chance to talk (laughs) to (laughs) her. What's happening today is that we are doing such bizarre things with dogs, and we're, we're doing tenants and training programs that make absolutely no sense, have no foundation in scientific fact. And uh, like I said, the more you delve into it, the more you realize it's a tidal wave. It has, co- it has gotten totally and completely out of control. So the simple answer is I didn't intend to work exclusively with women. Uh, it became my niche.
0: Mm, mm. It's, it's really interesting because um, when I became aware of you, I, I was really intrigued. And the more I've read about sort of, you know, um, your, your, what you've discovered and your, your opinions kind of thing, it is really intriguing, particularly as a woman you know, and a dog owner. Um, It is something you encounter. Most of the people I interview are women. There does seem to be something that women are particularly drawn to dogs anyway. Right. The other thing
2: that happens is if if you go and sit in a grooming shop, kennel or veterinary clinic, or even go to a dog park, you're going to see that 90, 95% of the client base there is the women. Mm-hmm. Men really bring their dogs to the burning shop or to the park or any of those other things. It might be different in England. Now, I'm not sure about that. But here, mm-mm. you walk around the park, it's women with their kids, it's women with their sisters and best friends. And I worked for a room shop for a while. They wanted me on to help them get a daycare center started and to do some little bit of training. And I didn't do the training. I refused to do that, and I'll explain more about that later. But, again, disproportionately high number of women bringing the dogs. I'm going, why is this? This doesn't make sense, but, yeah. but there's a reason for it. There's a lot of reasons for it.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, I, I do want to get into that because I have to say, you know, I'm I'm a fairly strong woman and my mum my was is, is a, a fairly strong woman. She was a head teacher. She had a German shepherd and I know quite a few women. I went to one um, male trainer and then since then, not because they're women, but I have ended up with... with female trainers you know and I have to say you know it wasn't something that had occurred to me I'm fascinated and intrigued by the the fact that men and women I think want different things from their dogs but it really hadn't occurred to me that just through being a woman that could cause problems with your dog so why why is it that women are having these problems that men tend not to have
2: Oh, this is my elevator speech. Men tend to have fewer behavioral or experience fewer behavioral problems with dogs than do women, because men tend to act like dogs. Women tend to act like human beings. That's not a slur about men, because I happen to be one. It's Just that men have a lot of characteristics that are like the mother dog, and that's the most influential teacher a puppy ever experiences. She's the one who brings brings her your puppy the puppy safely to you by the time you're ready to adopt, and by that time. The dog is, is, is already set in its temperament and personality. So the mother dog is, is very influential, and men mimic her behavior. Women don't. Women, well, I mean, if you want to get further into that, we can get that in a moment, but that was your answer right there. Um, yeah. They, they, remember they mimic the mother dog. And inadvertently, they're not trying to do it on purpose. And in cases where men don't mimic the mother dog, they get the same response as women get non compliant from their dogs. Mm.
0: It's it's, I mean, I've read um, the the chapter of your book that you sent. And then it's fascinating. One of the things that intrigued me was you you said one of the reasons women fail with dogs is that they kind of uh, use the same techniques they use with children, which really intrigued me because I, I probably do use very, very similar techniques with my dogs. As, as with my daughter, but that uh, the the main tenet of that is, if I say do it, it is done, you know, and mm-hmm. so and not in a horrible way, not in a, I'm going to make you do it way, well, but you know, in well, a that's the rule, that's well, that's what's well, going to happen. But you, but
2: you already indicated in the beginning of this conversation that you're a strong woman. Yes. Um, yeah. it, it's not. I mean. <clears throat> There aren't a lot of strong women. Strong women never make history, as they say, you know, uh, women who, who, who do these kinds of things. Yeah. I find a lot of women overwhelmed in their day-to-day lives, jobs they don't care for, children that they're having that mm. they may love, but then you know what? They may not love them that much. It, it, it's a different world right now, and so things happen between the human-canine bonds, especially between women and dogs. And I, and I, I don't use the word fail. Women mm. don't fail. No one fails. If you if you're unaware of something, and you do something, you haven't failed. You were unaware of it. If you're taught something yeah, yeah. that gets you to where you need to be, then I feel that you Absol- failed. But even that word, I don't yeah. like. No. <laughs> it's do very know, often. Well, that's that inter- women are very
0: sensitive. Yeah, that's interesting because one of the things that um, when I started sort of doing a bit more serious training with my Labrador, one of the things all the trainers said to me was, "Shut up." Just say, you know, <laughs> and my husband, to be fair, my husband had been saying that for years, you know, shut up. But, you know, they all kind of said, I, I mean, I am a very verbal person, obviously, but, you know, I'd sort of talk to the dog. Say, now, why did you do that? That wasn't very good, was it? Should we do that? And they, No, shut up. Exactly. Give exactly. the command. <laughs> How about if we go over the differences between men and women, some yeah. of the characteristics
2: that they have, and then you'll, you'll be able to discern the things that I'm, I'm I'm starting to see or that I recognized years ago and did some research on. One of them is voice inflection. So when a man makes a statement, when he asks a question, when he gives a command, most men, their cadence in their voice goes down at the end. So I might say, you have a lovely house. Uh, could I have a beer? Please stop that. You hear my voice go down. Mm-hmm. Mother dog, when she gives a directive to her puppies, the only option she has is a growl. And the growl goes down. If you try to growl on and out, your throat will close up. So when a man says to Rover, Rover, stop that, he's hearing, <laughs> he's hearing this growl. Whereas women are like, Rover, stop that now, come on. <laughs> and when you lilt your voice up, you're telling him in dog language that you're hurt and you're whining, and he's trying to figure out. What's going on that makes no sense to them? The other part about this is men, other than me, because I'm extremely verbal, but most men are (laughs) Mm non-verbal. You know, you've dated them. You say, honey, do you love (laughs) me? Yeah, I love you. Fine, great. What do you want to eat tonight? Uh, Anyway, I don't care. We want to get through as quickly as possible. So we say, Rover, come. Women will go, Rover, come on. I've got people coming in 20 minutes. This is not the time to give me a hard time. And by that time, what you're doing is you're barking with the dog. So, just yesterday, I met somebody in Charlotte, and she walked by me, and the dog just was out of control, barking, 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 and she's talking, she's negotiating with this dog why he shouldn't be barking. Mm. So, I said, ma'am, step on the rope, step on the leash. She had a regular leash, which was great. Step on the leash so the dog can stand comfortably or sit comfortably. Now, turn away from the dog and tell him in a good, big voice, quiet, or enough, the word enough, or now are fantastic words for women because it gives you a natural growl without growling. I don't want you to be out in public going, (laughs) that doesn't make sense. (laughs) You say, now, (laughs) enough. And I wish I had had a video because the dog stopped barking. He looked up at her, and I'll tell you more about this later. I told him not to look at the dog. And he realized, oh, I have to mimic my owner's behavior, which is called alley-low-mimic behavior puppies follow the behavior of the mother she does not follow the behavior of the puppies and what most americans are doing because i can't speak on behalf of europeans uh is that they're allowing their dogs to make decisions mm. and they're allowing their dogs to control their behavior They can't that, do yeah. two of those things i think and that, go, cause that goes, anxiety for any dog
0: yeah that yeah. goes on in the uk as well <laughs> <laughs> and that goes you
2: know that that's just one of those things so um yeah the boy, next one is eye contact. Men don't look at men. We don't look at men for three reasons. One, we don't want somebody criticizing us. We don't want somebody borrowing something from us, and we don't want a man to make a sexual uh, advance to us unless we're amenable to that. So we are not the kind of person or kind of sex that looks at something for a long period of time. Women, conversely, use their eyes for everything because they are the nurturing sex. They take care of children. They have to communicate. When they communicate with their child, they're using primate socialization behaviors. But when you're dealing with a dog, this is primate to canine, and it has to change. So an example is, when you call your dog to you, don't look at him. So you say, Rover, come, and you cock your head away because if you look directly at him, you're telling him in dog language Stay where you are. And here's the differences between men and women. Watch a man in a public park or at a beach with his wife, and the children are playing, and he says, okay, Billy Sue and Tom, let's go. We're going home. He then turns away from his children, he starts walking towards the car. He expects compliance. Mm-hmm. The mother... Conversely, we'll stand there going, Tom, Billy Sue, get over here. And she'll stand there and wait for them. <laughs> so there's the difference in the eye contact. So I try to explain to my female clients, my women clients, when we do a command with a dog, we never look at him. Mm-hmm. Don't tell, we don't look at him when he sits, stays, because I am not asking for his permission. I want him to do mimic behavior. I want him to see from my body stance from my body sense, from everything that's going on at that moment, that I need compliance at this moment. And uh, it, it's astounding when women see this happen. I mean, it's, it's really fun. Uh, yeah, I bet. The next one is, is, um, is uh, body stance. And mm. this very, very long uh, explanation, but I'm going to make it quite short, and that is men tend to stay aloof. We tend to hold our, carriage, our body carriage high. Almost soldier-like, or you know, um, um, statuesque is about another way to put it. So, if he's walking your dog and the dog poops in the sidewalk, you know, some men will just keep going. They clean it up. They don't stoop down to clean the up. we we're, we're not geared for that sort of thing. In the house, if there's a pile of dog poop on the floor, the first thing we do to clean it up is call for help. Honey, you know, the dog just pooped on the floor. This is the first thing we do. The second thing is we hope it's dry enough so we can walk around it and it's not bothering anybody. The third thing is we will pick it up without stooping down. We'll pick it up, we'll put it into the garbage can, and not close the garbage can and let the house just smell because we don't have as many scent receptors in our nose as women do, and go we'll about our business. Women, conversely, will do this. They will that the dog defecates in the house, they'll look at the dog and they'll say, "Bad dog! What did you do? You cannot do that in this house!" And on and on and on. And then she gets on her hands and knees and she picks it up. She puts it in a container. She takes a scrub brush. She scrubs the floor. She leans back. She rinses out her her uh, towel and she does it again. And then she leans down to smell that area to see if, it, if it's clean. And what she's done with her body stamp in a matter of a few seconds is when she looked at the dog directly and told him how angry she was. She was saying, "I." I'm confronting you. I want to get into a fight. When she got down on her knees, she said, do you mind if I show submission? When she got on her knees and her hands, that is a sexual position. When she leaned back to win out the towel, that's a play position. Can you imagine how schizophrenic dogs must think Mm -hmm. Mm women are? It's so confusing. And the other one, and this is a big one, and this one really has gotten me into a lot of trouble, although I have done so much research on this that it's, it's... It's undeniable. So this is the one that loses my Twitter accounts and my Facebooks and everything else. It's body scent. Women mask their biochemistry with perfumes, with clothes that are scented, hairspray scented. The scent is very important to women. Mm. Dogs have 250 million receptors in their nose. We only have five million. So if the dog has to cut through lilac smell to discern what you want, he's going to negate you. But here's the big one. If you're between the ages, let's say it's 13 and possibly 45, 50, and you're menstruating, your dog, whether it's neutered and whether it's spayed, is going to react to the menstruation smell. It's either going to try to dominate you or control you or assist you in somewhere. This is where men and women differ. It's impossible to be to menstruate. Mm -hmm. And I get frustrated when I see people getting involved in group training classes because, and, you know, again, this is going to get, this gets people angry, but my trainer taught me this. Peg Benson was a woman. She trained me this. She told me, told me about this. She said, when a woman is menstruating, she should not be training her dog. That goes for the trainer. That goes for the participant. So when you're in a group training class, you'll be amazed how many women might be menstruating, causing all kinds of disruption. When I was at Yellowstone, uh, Banff National Park in Canada, I went on a grizzly bear tour. And we met at 7 o'clock in the morning, and there was probably about 35 people, and the ranger came out and he said, I'm making this quick and fast. If you're menstruating, you're not to join us in 15 minutes, please. That's the end of the discussion. And 15 minutes later... Several women, several women were missing. Now, bears are not dogs, but they both are carnivores, and they are both going to respond to the scent of blood. So mm-hmm. um, I try to, whenever my, I have a client, I go, all right, I love to work with you. It's none of my business, but when you're menstruating, we can't work, and they're very open to that. They've been very fine. I just got done working with a St. Bernard who um, tried to uh, attack somebody at the na- here at the neighborhood. And um, the woman was menstruating at the time. She said, I had no idea this was happening. No,
0: no. Yes. I, I have to say that I, ha- a friend, I have heard friends say, and sort of online friends, say that their dog will play them up more at that, that, you know, this, that time of the month. But um, yes. I, to, I'm, to be absolutely honest, I haven't noticed that with Mm -hmm. my with my own dogs but I have you know heard that from other women I mean I mean can that be something that that sort of I mean for example um I am in that situation at the moment and I have trained my dog today and I've actually been to the training class now he was Mm -hmm. actually um I was I was pleased with him today because he met other dogs he was friendly with them and he did the behaviors um properly you know now is it can, so is the fact that, I don't know, what I'm trying to explore there is So sort of, is the fact that um, he has been well trained or, you know, I don't, I don't mean I'm a good trainer. That's I mean, exactly, he has had a solid training. Is, is that that's counteracting?
2: That's exactly what it is. Mm. That's exactly. You became a mother dog. She's going to menstruate. She's going to bleed. And she can't afford. By that time, she usually gets rid of her puppies. But if she has them hanging around again, she's not going to fool around with their nonsense. And you you said before, you're a strong person. And that does make a difference. There are always factors that will negate or change certain situations. But in general, this is something that Mm. uh, I found true. And Peg Benson also told me she said, Roger, if you ever cut yourself, cut your hand, or get hurt, you can't train. Because the dog will try to either dominate you, control you, or try to assist you in some way. And that's not what a trainer is. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's, that's just something that I try to let people know. And, and mm. most of the time, women will say, "I, I you're absolutely right. The yeah. dog is totally different. Yeah. And the other thing that American women do, and again, I can't speak for uh, women who are in England, but a lot of American women allow their dogs to sleep in their bedrooms. And that makes a big difference too. So if mm. the dog doesn't, in your bedroom, then you've already signed, not, you, you've got a line of demarcation there for what the kind of behavior is acceptable. I personally don't feel a dog should ever be in a bedroom for a number of reasons, but um, when they do, the women who do allow their dogs to sleep actually in their bed, at the foot of their bed, are the ones that experience really the most difficulties with, when they menstruate. Mm-hmm. The dog has been invited into the inner sanctum where no one else has been about, allowed to be.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, it, all you know, all the, the the theories on training. It's beneficial to know them and to be aware of them because you know, if you are having that particular problem, problem solved. You know, you do, you train at other times of the month. It's it exactly. could it could change someone's life. It's really fascinating. The other thing that. Um, When I read, I actually sort of stopped my husband and sort said, listen to this. Um, (laughs) Because it is one of those areas where you go, oh, oh, you know, and you sort of get your your, your dander comes up and you go, right, okay. (laughs) But, the the, you know, I mean, I've never encountered this in the UK. I'd be fascinated to hear from from people who, men or women, who have experience of this. But what you said about when you go to the vet, um, that men... Are sort of more allowed to um, accompany the dog in. That's right. Yeah, no, you see, <laughs> you I read that, yeah, You I, read that, thank you. <laughs> I did read it, I did. I, and as I say, I read it to my husband as well, that bit. I was going, listen to this. Um, you know, I would change my vet the minute they, you know, sort of didn't take account of me or, you know, in that way that you said you'd you be ignored. You know, and I'm not sure whether you that meant it in that, in that, that way. That's a strong
2: woman but you're a strong woman. And if you're a strong woman and you want to accompany your dog into that room, there isn't an assistant or veterinarian that would ever stop you. But Mm -hmm. in general they will, there's a technique that they will use. And just watch it. Just go sit in a veterinary clinic someday and mm. watch it happen. And you go, and the woman will be, oh, no, my, my dog Toby, he's not doing well. And the next thing you know, they have the dog. They take the dog while well, and this Mrs. McGuire. Everything's going to be fine. And because they can't fool around with that right now. They yeah. can't deal yeah. with your, your, your falling apart. Men, again, we tend to be a little bit more stoic about these kinds mm. of things. Yeah. They don't get away with it. <laughs> the last thing I want to talk about, too, those five things. The last one we didn't we didn't uh, get on was the servitude nurturing behavior, and that has. This is another one that gets me into a lot of trouble. Never tell a woman that her behavior somehow has to do with hormones. Okay, you just don't do that. <laughs> and the psychiatrist who worked with me said, "Don't ever tell them that." But the truth is, oxytocin plays a very very big role in how women interact with their dogs, how they acquire them, how they interact with them, how they nurture them. And men, we have a higher level of testosterone. So it's okay for women to say, oh, you know, if the guy went down the street 150 miles an hour in a Lamborghini and killed himself. Well, that's testosterone. It's okay for you girls to do that to <laughs> us. But when I point out to my clients that it's, S, it's oxytocin, the nurturing hormone mm. that Makes you want to treat your dog like a child, and when you do that, you are going to cause your dog dog anxiety. So, the more nurturing in a motherly way a woman is, typically, the more out of control her dog.
0: Mm. Now, you see that that that's fascinating, and I. I really identify with the, um, I, I don't mean that I do it, but it's an easy trap to fall into. And I only don't do it because, you know, I, I read around and, and talked to trainers. But the, the response, you know, for example, your response to thunder and lightning with your dog. And that's fascinating mm-hmm. that, you know, you, you can really key your dog into a, 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 a good or bad response.
2: Well, you have to also remember another thing, too. Before we can say that acting like a mother dog is going to clear up everything, if your dog has an organic reason for its fear or something's going on that's organically based, there's nothing that a mother dog or a veterinarian can do about it unless unless the veterinarian uses psychotropic drugs or something. So Mm. in general, what I was trying to say about the thunder and lightning or any kind of stimuli that's frightening for a dog, if you remain still and calm... How a little room, He'll look at you and say, "All right, uh, you know, maybe it's not that bad. Just don't play it up. If you play it up, then you reinforce it by ignoring it. It diminishes.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Or it can it can?
0: Yeah, yeah. It can. Um, it. I really find it fascinating. I can understand when you say that you you do get into trouble, particularly when you take your life in your hands and you say to a woman, "She's hormonal. That's <laughs> you're a brave oh, man." Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah. I, I mean, how, how in general do you find that women respond to, to your um, observations and ideas?
2: Okay. Uh, you know what? You're going to destroy my career in one evening. So we might as well just keep going here. <laughs> I'm going to. Here's, here's the truth. Here's the answer. The more educated the woman, the more of a positive response I get. So a lot of my clients tend to be lawyers, doctors. Uh, more in the upper echelons in terms of, of, of professions and such, CEOs. They are amenable. They're open to these sort of things. I find the less educated the woman, the more they get bent out of shape. I actually had during a consult in a home once for <clears throat> someone who was struggling financially. You could tell she was struggling. Uh, I did bring up the menstruation. She asked me to leave. She mm-hmm. said that. Inappropriate, inappropriate. Uh, there were no children there, which is she and her husband. But it's interesting. It's, it's almost with anything, though, in, in life. I, I really do believe the more educated you are, the more open you have been, or been, the more you've been um, subjected to new concepts or other concepts, so that you can at least think about it. You can yeah. say, you know what? I think he's full of baloney, but maybe he's got a point. But what's happened with me is that here in Charlotte, if you want to meet. My six best friends, they're all women, and they were all clients of mine at one time, and they are all upper-wage upper, upper wage earners mm-hmm. because they said, you changed my life. One woman, she got a um, an English uh, Springer Spaniel, <clears throat> a male. She brought it to her home. The dog was totally out of control, and she started to cry, and she said, I told my husband the reason I'm crying is because the sister was also still left back there and I want to bring her I think it'll calm them down well but she brings in two puppies at the same time from mm-hmm. the same litter mayhem mm-hmm. and she lived for three years in a beautiful palatial mansion that was being destroyed until they called me and she said the second you arrived and the minute we started working with you she said I knew that I had to listen to you she said because I'm a very strong woman and I and I, she said I'm a very strong woman and I, I don't take kindly to people telling me how to do stuff she said but you, you, this was on the mark. And I said, don't give me the credit. Give it to Peg Dunson. She's the one who has has taught me everything that I know. And like her, we've become so disillusioned. She's now 85, 86 years old. And she trained years and years and years ago before we did any of this nonsense with the group training and the treat training and the prong collars and the, and the choke collars and everything else that's going on. And the group training in which Everybody's treated the same, or I call it the one-size-fits-all. I mean, that's insulting, not only to the dog owner, but to the dog as well. And, again, this will offend people, and that's too bad. I have watched really quality dogs be destroyed by incompetent trainers or being subjected to group training situations when, in fact, dogs are scavengers. They are loners. They are not the kind of creature that will... That wants to interact with other dogs on a long-term basis. They might need them, find them interesting, but they're meant to join you. They're to go back to your family. So there's a lot going on that even tonight uh, we couldn't finish all the things that I would I would want you to know. That that's yeah. not often. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's been
0: so. it really has been fascinating talking to you, and I, and I think you're right. It's it's a sort of controversial area, but it is an area that obviously you know, it needs exploring because if you can improve your relationship with your dog, it's worth Absolutely. doing. Absolutely. It's worth doing. It's worth doing. Yeah. 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 So, um, Ro- Roger, where can people find out more about you on the internet?
2: Well, I'm, I'm on um, uh, training. That's the best way to reach me. I have a blog for women. Mm-hmm. I created a blog for women in January and I'm hoping that I get women to participate in this. So, I do have some postings. One posting that I did in January just talks about why I'm concerned about group training. Now, if you want to group train your dog, go ahead. We actually have a trainer here in Charlotte who will not take you as a client until you've gone through his private training. The dog's got to be perfectly trained. Then you can join a group training class. That, to me, makes sense. If you're mm-hmm. going to say something makes sense, I'll go with that. But to, to do it backwards, it makes no sense to me at all. So... Um, yeah, the, the blog. Uh, I'm. I love my LinkedIn account because it shows where clients have commented on what I've done, and it shows some of the profe- some of the groups that I belong to and some of my accomplishments. I'm very pleased with that. So training and it's S-A-V-V-Y, C-A-N-I-N-E, T-R-A, T-R-A-I-N-I-N-G. you can tell I'm tired.
0: I thought that was absolutely fascinating. It wasn't an area that had occurred to me before, but I have to say that I did recognise some of the issues Roger talked about, and I really think that any training advice that helps us communicate with our dogs is a force for good. We have a link on the Dogcast Radio site to SavvyCanineTraining.com where you can find out more about Roger, and I hope to talk to him further in the future. With the exception of women... There is nothing on earth so agreeable or necessary to the comfort of man as the dog. Edward Jesse. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com.
3: Hello and welcome to the Dogcast Radio News Desk. I'm Kate.
4: And I'm Nick. We're used to dogs competing in dog shows, but recently there have been a couple of unusual canine competitions. In California, over 50 dogs from across the USA took part in the 7th annual dog surfing competition. Dogs compete in three heats, small dogs, large dogs and tandem dogs, and their best two attempts out of ten are taken into account. That's best in terms of length of wave, confidence and, surprisingly, fashion sense. This year all the profits from the event went to charity and California was also the location for the world's ugliest dog competition. The dog crowned the ugliest dog was a Chinese crested dog called Mugly who had travelled to the competition all the way from the UK.
3: Meanwhile, celebrity dogs have been living it up. In Italy, George Clooney's dog was enjoying a spa day. George and his entourage are spending the summer at his Lake Como villa and he took the opportunity to take Cocker Spaniel Einstein to the grooming salon for a bath, a haircut and even a massage so that the dog can enjoy his vacation looking and feeling great. This is a rags to riches story. George adopted Einstein from a shelter in LA after he was rescued from his life stuck in a filthy crowded dog run.
4: And in the UK, David Walliams' border terrier Bert accompanied him to no less than Elton John's white tie and tiara ball. The event raised £4.5 million for the Elton John AIDS Foundation, and young Bert was rubbing shoulders with the like of Florence and the Machine, Michael McIntyre, George Michael and Kelly Brook. Lofty company indeed. And, as Walliams joked later on Twitter, Bert's fame has now eclipsed Justin Bieber's.
3: But in Romania, actress Hilary Swank was using her fame to shine a light on the plight of the 35,000 stray dogs in Bucharest. Swank's own dog is a rescue Jack Russell called Kai, and she was visiting to highlight projects set up by the Animal Welfare Foundation via Photon that encourage interaction between stray dogs and institutionalised people. Swank has started her own US charity to bring needy children and animals together. She also used the visit to promote her belief in supporting no-kill shelters and in spaying and neutering dogs to prevent unwanted pups.
4: We finish with the unusual story of a dog in Tai Tapu, New Zealand, who brought home a giant mummified rat. Yes, I'm afraid you heard right, a giant mummified rat. Carrie Broomhall found her dog Monty playing with an animal carcass and unsure what it was, she took it to her vet for identification. The vet confirmed it was a rat and that it was an astonishing 73 centimetres, that's nearly 29 inches. Apparently Monty has been showing a lot of interest in a ditch in the garden, and Carrie suspects that's where he found the rat, and she's just hoping he doesn't bring any more home. And that's all from us on the Dogcast Radio News Desk. Goodbye.
0: Dogs' lives are too short their only fault really. Agnes Sly Turnbull. Mm. Scrufts is the Kennel Club's dog show especially for non-pedigree dogs. There are four classes, most handsome crossbreed dog, prettiest crossbreed bitch, child's best friend and golden oldie crossbreed for dogs eight years or over. There are 15 Scruff heats all over the UK and Fiona Minchell had organised a wonderful fun dog show for her school, of which the Scruff heat was part. We went along to mingle with some lovely dogs and their owners and I talked to the winner of each class. Julia Kenyon handled the winner of the first class, Most Handsome Crossbreed Dog, and her dog Jacob is not only incredibly handsome, he has an inspiring story too.
5: Jacob's father was a Siberian Husky, hmm. and his mum was a Stuffy Labrador cross.
0: Wow, so quite a mix. He's yes. a very handsome chap. He's is he? a handsome
5: boy, very oh. handsome boy with huge ears. We were hoping when he was a puppy he <laughs> would grow into his ears, but they grew with him. Oh, they're almost sort of Pharaoh hand ears. Aren't <laughs> they are. At one point, we wondered if he was a Canaan dog. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, yeah. he's sort of
0: cream yeah. with, with sort of white highlights on face and And he's got and mascara chest. on. He's cute. If I could do my <laughs> eyeliner like that, I would be happy. <laughs> good boy. Oh, good boy. And it's quite an achievement for him to even be here today. It is.
5: Jacob is a reactive dog. Um, he had a very hard start in life. He was taken away from his mother when he was four weeks old and put into rescue kennels in Liverpool. And uh, my son adopted him. And when he was three months old, he was involved in a car accident on the M6 and was missing for three days. And we don't know what happened to him in those days, but when we got him back, he was terrified of people, particularly men and particularly people who make eye contact with him. And then a month after that, another dog attacked him and nearly took the top of his head off. And so he's frightened of dogs as well. So he's what you would call a a reactive dog he's a very nice dog yeah. he's not an aggressive dog he's a frightened dog yeah, yeah. so we've been working very hard yeah. to try and help him and let him gain his confidence yeah. and we think we're about 80 yeah. percent there for him to be here today is a huge yeah. achievement yeah. and for him to cope with so many dogs around him so close yeah. is is a big achievement yeah. for him
0: I so I'm worn out. now yeah. I was gonna say, that's inspiring for people that have a reactive dog that they're having problems with, and I'm one of those people. And, but it's a testament to your handling because you you directed him, you managed him all the way around, didn't you?
5: Yeah. If if I can distract him or if I can get his eye contact, then yeah. he's not aware of other dogs giving him eye contact. Yeah. Obviously. So and that's how we cope. Yeah.
0: He's,
5: he's gorgeous. He's a nice yeah. dog.
0: Most so so you're dogs. looking forward to a trip down to uh, discover Well dogs. he's
5: been to Discover Dogs once when yeah. he was a puppy and he did a demonstration in the puppy classes for the good citizens. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So he went as a puppy. Yeah. So we'll see how he
0: gets on. His grown up. Well, well done, Jacob, and well, well done, Julia. Thank you. And um, good luck. Thank you. <laughs> a gorgeous blonde called Inca won the prettiest bitch class, but her past is clouded in mystery as she's a rescue dog. She's around six or seven years old, and I asked Inca's owner, Liz Alcock what mix of breeds she is.
6: Well, I don't really know that either, unfortunately. She's either a... The rescue centre said she was a bearded collie cross. Yeah. Uh, but she looked when we first got her more like a lurcher. Uh, now she's actually more like a wheat and terrier. I was going uh, to so say, I don't really know. <laughs> no, with those ears. Uh, no, there are some sort
0: questions of on the ears. There's, um, is it sheep dogs that sort of... Oh, she's, uh, don't know. <laughs> I don't
6: know. <laughs> It would be fascinating to do the DNA testing. With Wouldn't her? it? No, yes, no. yeah. Okay. But she's an absolute sweetheart. Her temperament's a, a, a real delight. Yeah. Why she was ever abandoned, I do not know, but we're the lucky ones. <laughs> <laughs> and how long have you had? Yeah, about uh, five, six years, yeah. yeah but she's what's, wonderful.
0: What's she like to live with? You? She's
6: fabulous. Yeah. She really is, yeah. She turned my life around when I lost a, another scruffy type dog, and I really took, took it very, very badly. And she. Oh. Gave me, gave me life. If you know, it sounds a bit corny, no, but honestly, uh, she really yeah. made me want to go back out and go walking again. I mean, look at her. <laughs> yeah, she's ready for the office. How could you not love her?
0: <laughs> and do you do sort of fun shows a lot?
6: Yes, yes. Yeah. It's it's just a hobby, isn't it? It's nice to go out and you meet such lovely people, you do. don't you? So, thing, yeah, it? it's nice. And it's a bit of fun for us. Oh awesome. yes, of course it is, and it's good for what's well, good for both of us. Yeah. Yeah. Gets you away from the ironing. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that does that is a good thing. <laughs>
0: The Child's Best Friend class was a celebration of the wonderful relationship between children and dogs. Ex-Blue Peter presenter Tim Vincent had the unenviable task of picking a winner and he chose Rowan Patel's dog, Hugo. I spoke to Rowan and his mum, Kim, and Hugo turned out to be quite an interesting mix.
3: Uh, what's his proper title? He's an Australian um, service dog, a doodle. So, oh, right an open. ASD.
0: ASD. Okay. So, and he's um presumably he's a mix with a, a smaller poodle because he's he's sort of um about beagle height, would you say? <laughs>
1: I
5: have yeah.
3: no idea. Yeah. Is that, they're
1: actually they're a mix between um, a Labrador a Poodle, a Cocker Spaniel, Irish Water Spaniel, and a an Soft haired Irish Wheaton Terrier. Right. Right. So the Labradoodles okay.
3: are what he is. When the breed yeah. was originally developed for a lady that um, had yeah. dog allergies, this was the breed that they came up with. Right. So okay. he's not a straight Labrador Poodle cross. Ah,
0: interesting. Okay. Now he looks actually. Well, he looks to me like is the Italiano, you know, the Legato Italiano was going to compare him to anything so yeah, you know yeah so. and
3: some people think that he's a, a bedlington terrier oh right
0: but he's he's a he's brown isn't he so he's yeah the one, no yeah, that's he's right he's, he's gorgeous okay and how old is hugo
3: um he's two and he's going to be three in october oh
0: right now tell me what class did hugo just win at scruffs
3: um in Scrofts he just won junior.
0: Yeah. Junior Handler. <laughs> junior Handler. Excellent. So does that mean you get invited anywhere else then?
3: Um, I get to go to London then. <gasps> Are you excited? Yeah, um when the late, when the man came out to me, I thought I was third because of all the kids of the others. Yeah, but I was actually first. He
0: left the best till last, hadn't he? Wow, yeah. And have you done any other handling with Hugo?
3: Um, today I did, um, weaves with him in agility oh, right. yeah. In agility training.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and is Hugo fun to live with? Yeah. Yeah, what does he do? What, what does he really like doing?
3: He really likes playing. Yeah. And you don't know, and you don't want to know what he likes eating. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine,
0: but maybe we won't mention it. Good call.
3: <laughs>
0: well, listen, the best of luck at Discover Dogs. Thank you. Remember I mentioned Fiona, who organised the show? That's relevant to the next interview, which is with Anne Jackson, whose eight-year-old dog won the Golden Oldie class, and he was called Scruffy.
7: Scruffy by name and Scruffy <laughs> by nature. How, how appropriate for Scruff, then. Oh, yeah, he all, for he's scrubs. always been Scruffy. <laughs> oh, And what makes his either? Um, well, his mother was a Jack Russell. Yeah. His father, God knows What? <laughs> She um. was a tart, his mother. <laughs> must have been a tart. We've had Scruffy for eight years. He yeah. was a puppy. Yeah. The lady that uh, we bought, well, we didn't buy him. She gave him to us because she had this Jack Russell from a rescue centre at hmm. uh, oh, no, uh, going out for Shrewsbury. And anyway, about eight weeks down the line... Little dog, it was a Jack Russell, proper Jack Russell. Yeah, started to get fatter and fatter, oh, and eventually it produced six pups. Oh, cry! And this is one of them.
0: Yeah, oh, well, he, he's very handsome. He, he's definitely a terrier,
7: isn't he? Oh, he's you see definitely that? Yes, terrier. Yeah. There's a mixture, but i say his mother was a tart. <laughs> Well, she got to be. Well,
0: let's she? not cast aspersions. That it might have been a
7: love story that we'll <laughs> oh, never know. <laughs> no, a dog love story, yes. <laughs>
0: oh, and um, so he's eight. Is he still Is full his? of beans?
7: Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I was in the garden the other day and he wanted. I was cutting the um, Russian vine down because it climbs at a mile a minute, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And anyway, uh, suddenly, Scruff disappears. Go in the house, make a cup of tea, and the phone goes. Um, I think we've got your dog called Scrub. <laughs> oh <dear. laughs> I said, oh dear. I said he was in the garden, he can't be there. Oh, well, we just picked him up on the road. Oh dear. But when you? Live the on a
0: monkey. The, yeah. When you
7: live in the country.
0: Yeah, it's not the same as being on a main road. No, oh, yeah. it's not no. the same
7: as being on oh. the town. So, so he's
0: maybe picked up his mother's adventurous dreams. Oh,
7: definitely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
5: that's so, um, a
7: good job I had in Spain as a baby. Yes, yes. Yeah, or else that i is a good, yes. <laughs> <have> been <laughs> Or you could be a grandma
0: by now. <laughs> oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, do you do fun shows regularly, or is this a new thing
1: for well, you? Well, no,
7: this is a new thing for yeah. me. Well, my daughter, Fiona, she works at the PA to the headmaster here. Yeah,
0: oh, right,
1: yes.
7: And of course, fundraising, wanting. They yeah. decided last year they'd have this. It yeah. worked very well. Yeah. And they've had it again.
0: So I like that though, you're allowed to win even though you are related to one of the
7: organisers. <laughs> well, I'm not related to the judge.
0: That's true, that's the important bit. Isn't <laughs> that it? is the important well, bit. And are you excited about getting off to Discover Dogs in November?
7: Where am you're, I going in November?
0: You're, you're the next bit, now you've won this, the next bit for you is Discover Dogs in November. Where at? <laughs> I tell you what, I'd get Fiona to be your show. I think
7: I will, because <laughs> she's the only one with the sapnel I haven't.
0: I love the fact that Anne was there just supporting her daughter and managed to win the class. It was her first time in a fun dog show, and now she's off to discover dogs in November. You can see photos of all the winning dogs on the Dogcast Radio site. But before we left, I wanted to speak to Judge Joe Lavin. When you're judging a pedigree class, there's a breed standard to judge to. And you choose the dog that best fits that standard. But I wanted to find out from Joe, when you're confronted with a sea of non-pedigree dogs, how on earth do you select a winner?
1: Well, the category is different in mm. that it is called most handsome dog, most prettiest bitch, best golden oldie. So you are looking for the appearance of the dog. And I also look a lot at how the dog and owner bond together. Yeah. Because I think that's most important. Temperament always comes at the top of my list, whether I'm judging pedigrees or not. Yeah. yeah. Um, and basic confirmation of a dog is similar throughout. So you can feel faults. So, obviously, anyone that's got a problem or you can see a health issue, yeah. obviously, you can't place. So, you're looking for bright, healthy, happy dogs that move freely. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, we've had a lot of that today. We've you? had an awful it's lot of that. It's brilliant. been terribly difficult. Bet, yes. <laughs> Particularly the bitch class because they were all so gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So. And then your personal preference, you have to be careful then, don't yes. you? Because you, either well, you like a smooth coat or a long coat, Well, right? if you've got two that you like equally, that's the only time preference comes in. Yeah. That, you might say, well, I'll have to, my heart takes on this way. But that's, yeah. the, that's the only time you can allow that to come in yeah. if you think you've got two that are spot on the same. Yeah, yes. yeah. And do you judge pedigree Classes. I've just started judging, yeah. actually. I, I have Wirehead Dachshunds, the standard yeah. size, and I'm actually judging next year at Lichfield for the, my first open you. show. Yeah. So, yeah. But I've, I've judged shows like this
0: before. Yeah yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And you enjoy them? Oh, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It's just a lovely doggy day
0: out for everyone. That's the thing. I was going to say, what is it that you, you think is so good for people to come out to a fun day like this? Well,
1: to, To come somewhere where your dogs are accepted. Not only accepted, but welcomed because um, there aren't many places we can take them these days and there's lots of restrictions yeah. and of course the other benefit when you come to something like this is everybody feels the same yeah. so your dogs get really well socialised you make friends and you yeah. get out and you have a great day with your dogs yeah. and that's what yeah. it's all about and you take the best dog home
0: with you absolutely, every yeah. time yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think the nice thing with Scruff's, and I know Fiona who's organised this wanted to, to, to offer a show for non-pedigrees yes. that led on to something else, didn't she?
1: Yes, yes. Because it's important to support the the rest of the dog community. We can't just isolate ourselves around pedigrees yeah. because there's some fabulous crossbreeds out there, yeah. and yeah. there's some fabulous. You've seen there's some fabulous young people handling them. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and we need to make the rest of the public aware of actually how great dogs are yeah. and that
0: those people that haven't got them really are missing out yeah. yeah, and at the end of the day the most important thing about a dog as you say temperament Temporum- can it live in the real world because if it can't it yeah. can be the most
1: you know the best looking dog in the world absolutely but-, but if it can't cope with the surroundings and that's why I say these events are brilliant for socialising yeah. and also training classes I mean you can go for training classes for obedience or for ring craft which is for your show training yeah. but whatever level you decide to do it on it's socialisation for your dog mm-hmm. not not just with other dogs, but with people, yeah. and that is so important. Get them out there as soon as they're vaccinated, as soon as they're safe to get out there, get them out there and socialize Definitely. and enjoy them. Definitely. Well,
0: you've done a fair, your fair share of socializing this morning.
1: <laughs> you have to put what? your feet up now. Uh, well, I think I'll be hanging around for the rest of the day because um, my partner's stewarding for the novelty classes so you stuck? Oh, no, so I'm going to get myself a bite to eat and have a nice cool drink. There's worse places to be stuck, isn't there? <laughs> oh, I can't too. think of anywhere better than a <laughs> <laughs> lovely afternoon like this.
0: Good luck to all the winners, and well done to everyone who turned out to celebrate non-pedigree dogs. To find out more about Scruff's, visit the Discover Dogs website, which we have a link to on the Dogcast Radio site. You think dogs will not be in heaven? I tell you, they will be there long before any of us. Robert Louis Stevenson Two well-known dogs died recently in very different circumstances. TV presenter and author Ben Fogle hit the headlines in the UK when he spoke of his overwhelming grief at the loss of his 12-year-old Labrador Inca, who had to be put to sleep. I think he was brave to make his grief so public, and I hope it helps educate those who dismiss our canine family members as just dogs as to the depth of the loss we feel when they die. Inca died surrounded by those who loved her, but another dog was put to sleep recently with no such comfort allowed. Lennox, who was taken from his home by Belfast City Council and held for a further two years while legal attempts were made to save his life, finally died in early July. At the heart of this tragedy are a dog and his loving family who suffered And I guess in some ways Lennox's family have been grieving for the past two years. It does seem excessively hard that the families of condemned dogs aren't allowed access to them at the end. The worst aspect of loving a dog is losing them, and I've found a very apt quote to end with, which is from Julie Clam in "You Had Me at Woof: How Dogs Taught Me the Secrets of Happiness." So for Inca Lennox, all the dogs who have lived and been loved and lost and all their grieving owners. Here's the quote. A very wise dog woman once told me that dogs find owners, not the other way around. They pick you and they choose to stay with you. In that way, they are also giving you the end of their life. The deeper the bond, the harder it is to say goodbye. I know I'd rather have any amount of time with a dog I love and suffer the mourning than not have the time at all. Till next time, look after yourselves. By email, you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com. When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way, we can include them directly in our program. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. No, it's not Jenny. I'm afraid it's still me because she's got a bit of a cold. Here's the joke. Mrs Green was walking to the post office when her neighbour came up to her and said, ''How's your dog? I saw her yesterday chasing an old man on a bike.'' ''Oh,'' said Mrs Green, ''that could not have been my dog.'' ''Oh, why not?'' replied her neighbour. ''I'm pretty sure it was her.'' ''Well,'' stated Mrs Green, smiling, ''my dog doesn't ride a bike.''